Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nika Sherell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. Uh, the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Join us this October for our Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit coming up on October 23rd and 24th. The Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit creates a safe space where all people feel come together and will embrace humanity, diversity, and liberation of sexual health globally. Tickets are on Eventbrite and you can learn more about that event at nikasherells.com or theitcast.com. Visit us on um, Patreon to support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at theitcast.com. Uh, our 10-year anniversary is coming up, and we are having a pop-up on October 1st in downtown Oakland. We invite everyone out there to come and join us. It'll be at Zanzi, and we'll have more information about that as well on our website. So please do come and join us and celebrate 10 years. Uh, subscribe to this channel and let's get into the conversation. So this week's topic is Real Talk on Body Shaming. And today in the booth, we have Dr. Mandy Nazami. Dr. Mandy Nazami is a public health nutritionist and registered dietitian, specializing in adult and adolescent nutrition for over 24 years. Now, Mandy has also been teaching for the last 15 years at various colleges and universities. She is an intuitive eating dietitian. Her approach to health is holistic through bringing simplicity to diet and teaching nutrition as a lifestyle. Mandy, please join us in the booth. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing really, really great. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation um, with um, your listeners. Yeah. So before we get into the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, and anything you want us to know to be related? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, so as um, Nika mentioned, my name is Mandy, um, and I have been a registered dietitian for yeah, I can't believe it's been 24 years. Um, so what is a registered dietitian? Is somebody who has a bachelor's degree and then they have to sit through the exam and do an internship for a year. And then I pursued my education further. I got a master's, um, actually got two, and then I got my PhD um, in public health and um, nutrition was my passion. And this conversation is very dear to my heart um, because it really started my education. Um, and so it kind of ties into kind of getting related to me and um, because I dealt with, um, you know, overweight and since I was 14 and I, you know, wanted to know, okay, how can I eat the most amount of foods without gaining weight or not being teased or made fun of for my weight. Um, and as a dietitian, you know, working in the field for years and years, um, you know, I've learned a lot and, um, and I'm really happy to share this conversation and hopefully support some of us that might be dealing with um, our weight um, and get shamed, um, food shamed, body shamed, um, you know, like I, so again, that's kind of why I'm here and a little bit about me. Um, I work in a hospital uh, full time. I manage the nutrition department. So I do practice medical nutrition therapy. And of course I believe that. Um, and I think that overall, um, looking at more of an intuitive and holistic approach to nutrition has been a lot more, um, a lot more um, fulfilling and I see results. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get into that in a bit, but that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation. I have been, I've been plus sized, overweight, whatever we're calling it, since I was very little, <laughs> um, you know, maybe around age four or so. And so I went through a lot of body shaming and uh, teasing and so much throughout elementary and clear through high school. Um, you know, I've never been someone that's been thin. So I love that we're having this conversation and I'm excited about, you know, the fact that like, we don't talk that much about body shaming. 
You know, we talk and we don't talk that much about food shaming. We talk about a bunch of other things, but, um, you know, diets and weight loss and stuff. And we don't talk about like the other side of it. So, yeah, um, there's a lot of great work. Again, um, I kind of said a little bit about my background, so I will be bringing some of the science um, and the research behind um, what I'm saying. And um, you know, one of the people that I really respect and follow in this topic is Dr. Janet um, Tomiako, and she is from UCLA, and she does a lot of work on looking at weight stigma. It's another term, um, you know, more scientific term for uh, for body shaming, and and looking at stress um, and how this whole cycle create gets created. Um, you know, and again, I felt like nobody needed to tell me about it in science, I experienced it, <laughs> right? So that's kind of where I want to connect with um, our listeners, you know, like if you grew up and you didn't look like um, the specific poster, um, you know, on a billboard or in a magazine or, um, or in, um, you know, like, just like looking the way that there's this whole norm and yeah, they tell you you're supposed to look. Right. Like, you you know, like Barbie, um, you know, that was like what I grew up to. So there you go. There's my age. <laughs> we must like, be the same age. Little girls are like, what? Barbie? What's that? <laughs> it's like, what? And back in the day, you know, there was this thing, it was called Barbie. Um, but um, that you were supposed to look like. Um, and so again, I, that's literally why I went into the field. I wanted to know, I wanted to like know what I could do for myself. And I, um, and I've been like in that quest for our patients. Again, I, I took a um, turn and like working in the hospital and like really doing um, more management, um, but like looking at the policies, creating policies that support um, and how do we stop this management um, because again, um, one of the things we see is shaming in general um, is used as a tool. Um, you know, there's a lot of great work. Um, one of my favorite authors, um, Brene Brown, um, talks about shaming. If you're interested in that topic, you know, I highly encourage it, but it's really used as a tool. And so, um, again, one of the things I want to, I want all of us to kind of get out of today is really how do I combat some of this? Like, how do I stop that negative cycle? Because it's, it's completely is this um, negative cycle that keeps happening because you start with, you know, your weight, wherever you are, and then there's stress. And we know that when you're stressed, what happens when you're stressed, your cortisol levels go up, you have your oxidative stress is happening, which is completely shutting down your metabolism. So here you are, right? Your, um, you know, your weight is going up and then the stress isn't allowing for you to actually um, lose any of the weight. Your body is in like fight or flight mode. It's thinking like, I'm going to hold on to all this fat because I don't know what's going on. A lot of times, you know, people, solution is, oh, I'm going to do a cleanse. I'm going to do a fast. I'm going to do this like quick fix. And people don't like that. People don't like to talk about it, but it doesn't work. Diet, like as a dietitian, I tell people dieting doesn't work. And honestly, I see it all the time where people like, are like, oh, okay, that's nice. All right. Well, somebody who does give a diet, like give me one. <laughs> Where is the, you know, where is the quick fix? Where is the, you know, cleanse of the product? And I'm not saying like, again, I'm not saying sometimes cleanses could be beneficial, but just in general, it's like, if you're looking at that as a way to lose weight quickly, it's completely um, counterintuitive, right. Because, right? It causes to lose your water weight and you are hungry, which is hungry and unhungry at the same time, right? And then you have to manage and deal with some of the other stuff um, that are 
um, that you're, um, um, yeah, you know, like you, then you have to manage all of that. Cause then you end up gaining all the weight back, um, as soon as you stop. And again, those things are not things that are sustainable. Like you can't stay on a cleanse forever. Right. Um, so you end up losing more muscle mass. You end up losing, um, um, and actually gain more fat, um, in the process. Yeah. Like the body goes into like survival mode. I think as you were saying, and like, mm -hmm. I, I've, I, I have done a lot of like dieting and weight loss stuff in my life just because that's what they tell overweight people they have to do. <laughs> like it's, it's like a, this requirement to be socially acceptable and it, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for us in, in, like you said, in terms of our actual, like our bodies operating with us. One of the things that you mentioned was fasting and like, you know, like crash dieting don't work. Um, one of the things that I, I look at or want to point out is like, what's the intention behind it? Like you said, fasting and cleanses can be good, but if your intention is, I mean, I would almost want to say, like, okay, let me not put that out there. <laughs> if your intention is to rapidly lose weight, um, there could be something else going on. And I look at like different, you know, like eating disorders, like anorexia, bulimia, binging and purging. And like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like at a certain point we have to question where the line is. Right, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought that up um, because there is um, the difference between eating disordered versus disordered eating is exactly that. Mm -hmm. um, so when we continuously are dealing with like being shamed, being body shamed, fat shamed, right? And then kind of our reaction is, okay, I'm gonna start dieting, right? Then it kind of puts you in this negative cycle of eventually getting to, you start with disordered eating. So you're not, you know, like you're, you're fasting, you're not eating for a while, you're following these super hard diets, you know, like eat seven eggs a day. I don't know, like there's so many things. I mean, again, I can totally date myself again by talking about the cabbage soup diet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody out there is here, like knows what I'm talking about. Um, right. So like, you know, like the South beach, the, the, this, the, that, the next thing. And, um, you know, count your macros, count your micros. And I'm not saying any of that again, this is what I do for a living. And I just, I'm just saying that it doesn't work long-term and it's not, again, if it's like, if we don't love what we have and it's if and we can't really create that okay I'm going to listen to my body and eat what I feel like gives me nutrition um, keeps me healthy and it tastes good like I'm enjoying my food then again what's going to happen is this whole negative cycle that keeps repeating and a lot of times we do see um eating disorders I mean, eating disorders is, um, it's more prevalent, especially in California where I'm, um, you know, from like in Southern California, we see a high number, one out of every three girls in college are dealing with some kind of disordered eating. Mm. I mean, those are really, really high numbers. Um, and again, it's just all of that stigma, social media, um, you know, social media has so much influence on how we look and feel about our body and no one's having these conversations like, oh, well, this person was, um, you know, like they, they photoshopped this or that, or, um, or just, you know, it's like, we don't see normal, um, quote unquote size people, um, you know, that are, that are taking action for their health. And then I think the other conversation I really want to talk about is the collapse between health and weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think if anything, COVID has really brought this up, right? We're at the age of COVID still here with us. And I think a lot of people are scratching their heads. Like this person looked like they were so healthy and why, what happened? And again, we associate our quote unquote thinness with our health. And it's not necessarily so. 
Um, right. So, um, so again, really keeping in mind just because someone's thin doesn't mean that they're healthy and health is a function of so many factors like, um, and, um, and again, as an intuitive um, dietitian, I, we don't even fo fo follow or focus on weight. We look at other markers. We look at your bio, um, you know, the anthropometrics, um, like, you, you know, it could be, um, you know, like some of the other, um, your body fat percentages, your water weight, some of those things that, um, that might make a bigger impact or muscle mass, your lab work, um, you know, some of your other lab profiles that can really impact and support you um, in some other ways. I see a couple of questions in the yes. chat. I'm going <laughs> to go to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the questions um, is how can you check your cortisol levels without having a blood test? Um, well, I don't think that um, at least as far as I know, there hasn't been a test that you could check your cortisol levels without really checking your blood. Um, and those corticals, cortisol stay in your system. Yeah. I mean, we all have a, a level of cortisol that's healthy. We're supposed to have a level of our own cortisol, but when it's chronically up, um, during times of stress, then our body's producing extra cortisol. And that's when it becomes an issue when it's chronic and it's continuously going up. Um, so um, again, I think sometimes we can get really stuck with like, oh, let me check this lab and let me check that as opposed to, okay, how can I manage my stress? Again, if there's one thing I want to leave everyone here with is nutrition is about a lifestyle. And it's about like, what are you doing for you? And it comes with first and foremost, your self-love, you're taking care of you. Um, you're eating things that feel good, um, but also nourish your body. You know, are you sleeping? Um, are you exercising? Like, you know, again, we don't use the term exercise and in the intuitive, we use the word moving your body because it's, it's not about like, okay, I hit the gym and you know, or I ha ran a half marathon. Um, right. um, it's about like, what can you do for you? Yeah. Right? Um, like overdoing it and throwing yourself into this, like, you know, into this like workout frenzy. It's like, like I work out and I, I only do things that are fun. <laughs> yeah. Like dancing could be yeah. like something that you do or, you know, going out. Like I have, um, I have a good friend of mine um, and she's an excellent dancer. And it, like she said, it started with like going to, you know, this is when, you know, all the clubs were open. I don't know if they're open now. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they might be open now. I have no idea. But, um, you know, like that's what like she would do. She would just go and dance and like really enjoy and, and like for a couple hours. And um, like she loved it so much. She started dancing every day and like she I, I literally she was in a competition about a month or so ago and I got to watch it it was amazing like um again and if you see her you're not like oh my god you know she looks like a supermodel no she looks beautiful and voluptuous and and healthy yeah um, right so I think yeah I totally agree with everything you're saying it's like you know to look at like correlating weight and or sorry size and health um yeah I was always a very active kid very active and at a certain point it was like I had um I had a large muscle mass and I was a large person but I would consider myself to be healthier than some of my like thinner friends diet wise activity wise so many things um we had another comment that says sometimes families body shame because they're concerned with your health concerned with is in quotes and yeah it's like it's that exact correlation to oh you're fat let's fix you yeah i mean and we absolutely see this over and over i mean there's studies on um weight stigma and weight gain and we see this negative um, cycle where, um, you know, again, as you're um, experiencing this negative, um, 
you know, weight shaming or gain, um, then you're actually gaining more weight. Um, you know, again, again, we can't say it's because of it, but again, there's definitely correlations. Um, and I see, um, another question about families, body shaming, because they're concerned with your health. This is another, um, really, really big example. People will say, you know, I care about you. Um, you know, like you're, you're getting fat. Um, again, a lot of times parents do this as a way because they're genuinely concerned and again, using a, 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 a shaming tool as a way to quote unquote help and support instead of like really getting curious about, okay, well, what's going on. And, um, and, um, like really bringing acceptance, um, to, um, the situation, maybe it has something to do with like, you're not sleeping, right? Because we also see those studies about people who are not sleeping, um, have a, a significant weight gain. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sleeping less than seven hours a day, then your cortisol levels are higher. Um, Eddie, like that was another, um, and then, so then you are more likely to overeat, um, because you, again, when, um, those cues are there, then you're feeling more hungry. Um, and then again, the whole intuitive eating platform is based upon being able to listen to your body and actually get and hear the cues. So the moment that you're full, you stop, you are not eating. But again, we don't even hear that a lot of times. Like you're so tired that you're just like eating and not, you know, eating as for numbness, eating for, um, again, social, right. If you're in a social event, like that could be, um, you know, eating and drinking. Um, so those are all, um, and again, it's just, especially if you're quote unquote dieting, right. It's like, oh my God, I was dieting for two weeks. And then I went out one day, one night and I had like food and wine and now I gained it all back. Right. And that creates that whole negative cycle as opposed to, um, this is a lifestyle. Like I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Can I do this? Can I follow this for the rest of my life? If the answer is yes, then great. And if no, then, um, then don't do that again, because you want to think about it. I, this is something personal for me. I am a huge fan of exercise and like right before COVID hit, I, um, I was training, like, I mean, I, I signed up for my first, um, 70.3, which is a half iron man. Um, and again, so that community, the sports community is huge, like eating disorders and disordered eating mm. are huge. Right. And, and again, exercise is definitely a, a tool for, stress management. And, um, so I was heading like about two, two and a half hours a day of exercise, right. Between like swimming and biking and running. Right. Cause that's what you do. And like two weeks before the race, you know, everything got canceled. I didn't do my race. I actually haven't done it. And I like went from that to, again, like working in a hospital, um, our work started to really get busy, right? Um, it, you know, everyone else closed and we were um, even busy. So I started working even more and stopped and really had to deal with this. So um, again, I really had to rediscover this conversation of, um, you know, like how do I manage my um, weight as a dietitian? All the pressures that I feel, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I am, you know, like a, talking to a patient, um, a coworker, a fellow director, or my CEO, um, right? Um, at the school with my students, like how do I stand as a someone who's advocating health, right? Not being quote unquote that perfect body. And it's it's like I was like, you know, I kept it's like a my joke. I'm like, I'm gonna take some of my own medicine. <laughs> right. Cause all I wanted to yeah. do was like go on a diet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, no, I gave my word, like no dieting. I am not dieting. Um, I am being mindful of what I put in my body and I'm not dieting. I am not doing that. Cause I know it doesn't work. I've tried it a million times. 
Um, you know, um, so, so again, I just, what I want to say is it's a, it's a process. It's a journey. It's not like a destination. You don't get somewhere. And I think that's what gets missed sometimes in the health journey. Like people don't, you know, you're told like, oh yeah, yeah, here, like buy these products for me and do these things and drink these shakes and like eat, you know, organic spinach. And then, um, like after a month, then you'll be good. Right. Then you can go back to eating like burgers and fries. And, and then it's like month after month after month. And it's like, at one point you're just like, forget it. Like, I can't do this. I can't live off of a shake. I can't live off of a, um, you know, organic spinach (laughs) or kale. Um, so again, just like, and like really getting that that is causing you more damage than good. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you to look a certain way as a dietitian? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like you walk into a patient room and you want to say like, hi, you know, my name is Mandy. I'm your dietitian. Like we want to talk about, um, like managing your diabetes. We want to talk about, you know, like how to count carbohydrates. We want to talk about, um, like renal disease. We want to talk about your potassium levels. And it's like, it's right there. It's right there. Like, you know, like, who are you to tell me, you know, if you can't manage this yourself, right. If you don't look a certain way, um, and, um, or, and again, it's just about our society. Like, you know, not like, again, weight is such a multifactorial thing. Like, you know, like I was born with a specific bone structure. I was born in a family, you know, with very specific genes, like we all do. And we all look, um, you know, right before, um, you know, like Betty was talking about her family and, you know, how like the, the woman in her family were this way. And it's, and it's like, there's so much to, respect in that and appreciate in that and honor in that as opposed to well you don't look like every other person that's supposed to be on a billboard so this isn't okay um do okay so I didn't hear you mention this earlier but I'm wondering if um if they still use the body mass index as a calculator for weight or like yeah that's a great question. Yeah, I didn't, I haven't, we haven't talked about it. So body mass index is like the gold standard um, in, in um, calculating. And again, who knows how they really came up. Some, again, everything in nutrition has been, um, you know, researched and tested, but it's all inside of a very limited understanding. And we do know that the BMI does not account for your muscle mass. It doesn't account for your bone structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely acknowledge that. Um, so the, again, the latest recommendations uh, want us to use BMI with the waist circumference so we could have a better understanding of, but even that, again, if you're a, um, a small framed, BMI could probably work a little bit better for you than if, you, if you're not. Yeah. Um, and again, it doesn't really tell you anything about well, what is your um, fat mass, what is your muscle mass, um, you know, where is the distribution in yeah. in the body. So sometimes you see somebody with a perfect BMI where you know that it's actually not the case. Like they're mm-hmm. actually dealing with, you know, central obesity um, or central adiposity. Um, so I think that's something to, um, definitely be mindful of. I see another, um, yeah, we got a couple over here in the chat. So, um, the, so this comment was from earlier. It says, I hear that it's also about taking the emotions out of eating. And, um, I believe that's when you were speaking about, um, like actually like eating and overeating and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great one. Um, so again, one of the strategies that I work with people on, um, is to really support them and finding ways to deal with stress as opposed to eating. Cause eating is such a go-to and, um, and it doesn't, it just, you know, it's just not an effective way to deal with your stress. So again, can you take a walk instead of, you know, like eating, 
um, and or um, you know, giving yourself 20 minutes. So one of the other strategies that I really, really like is just, you know, like you are eating your specific amount that you feel like is a good amount for you. And then giving yourself 20 minutes, it takes about 20 minutes from the time where we're actually full, um, till our stomach tells our brain so that we're, we know that we're actually full. And then after, and just giving yourself full permission that if you know what, if after 20 minutes, I'm still hungry, I have full permission to eat whatever else I want. Um, so that's another thing that I think really helps in, um, you know, in, in that. And then again, just there's like, you know, doing a, even if a five minute meditation, I'm a big, big proponent of that um, for myself, um, because again, it really helps with clarity. Um, and again, it could look whatever you want it to look. I think we get, um, you know, like either so many, oh, it should be this way or that way. Like for me, like I do a five minute meditation with my eyes open and sorry for the gods of, you know, like meditation if I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> but that is what I can do sometimes. And sometimes I do a 20 minute, um, full on, you know, um, like I do something called sitting, um, which is a little bit, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's different than meditation, but whatever you want to call it, just giving yourself a few minutes and really just allowing your, all those voices in your head just to calm down. And, um, and then you could really, um, hear like, what, like, am I even hungry? Like what's happening for me? Is it like, am I sad? Am I hungry? Am I upset? am I angry? <laughs> like, like, what is it? Like, really sometimes, you know, again, I grew up, um, as an emotional eater. So I really relate to it. Like for me, like food was the thing and I love food and I eat, like, I want to eat everything and I'm always hungry. <laughs> so if you, you know, I don't know, maybe there's others like where they're just like, I am always hungry. I could always eat, you know, people say, Oh no, I'm good. I'm you know, like, really? <laughs> Oh my God, you must have a gift. Um, right. <laughs> like, I can't, you know, but, um, but like, how do I create that balance where I feel satisfied? Mm. Um, you know, this reminds me of when I was a kid and I don't know if you experienced this ever, but you know, the things that we were taught about food. And when I was very young, there was this conversation of like, oh, there are children starving all over the world, eat all of your food. And it didn't matter at a certain point, like if I was full, if I didn't clean my plate, I was disrespecting someone. <laughs> and it actually, like when you talk about not stopping eating when you feel full, I feel like there's a correlation to that. Like, I'm going to push through this or like, you know, not to say, but like Thanksgiving was always a time to push through and then pass out. <laughs> like, that's how we eat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like one of the practices of intuitive eating is that we have someone like make their favorite dish, have it. And then as soon as they're full to like, to throw away the rest of it. And I found that so hard because yeah, I grew up with like, what are you doing? Like starving kids and you know, and um, in China or, you know, in Iran for that matter, um, you know, and it was so hard, I just even to this day, again, like working in the food industry and managing, like when we have to throw things away, I'm just, I mean, now we have a whole program that we're donating our foods, but for a lot, like I, but I was so like, I, I was determined to find a way not to have to throw the food away. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, yeah, it's definitely one of those things to get used to. Um, it's like either um, because that's such a, it's such a, um, it's, it's, it's taught and it's taught from a, from a really young um, age and, yeah, it's about breaking those barriers. Is it better for you to throw this away than have to deal with it in weights mm. and in your pounds? So thinking about it like that. I'm like, there's no leftovers. I can't eat it tomorrow. <laughs> like that's, 
Or you can eat it tomorrow for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can keep your leftovers, but I'm saying that was like one of the practices so that people would be comfortable at, you know, either like, you know, and then again, if you don't feel like eating it tomorrow, then mm-hmm. you can throw it away, but there is no have to, it's all of the whole philosophy of intuitive eating is really getting in touch with your body, yeah. like being able to know. Um, and we don't like, we don't, we don't, um, like, what is it that I really want right now? And like, really, do we give ourselves that? Like, do I give myself what I really want? Um, and allow that. So that's kind of the, um, the, the whole mentality behind it. I see another yeah, um, question from Betty. Yeah. Um, why is it that when men have standards for attraction, it's called, um, shaming, but not, um, seen as the same when women do Mm, like fit females. Yeah. This is a, another whole, this could be another whole, you know, conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just, again, um, and we create those as females, like we got to really be responsible for that too. Mm. We really create those standards sometimes for ourselves. Yeah. And it's all about internalized voice in our head, you know, that we say, it's okay if he does it, but I, um, you know, like, um, and I mean, I'm not trying to say, cause men definitely deal with body shaming, and food shaming. I mean, again, we've seen studies, men that are, um, not like shorter, um, have less opportunities. If they're overweight, they have less opportunities for management and see your opportunities and roles. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to point out, you know, that I think everyone is capable of creating that environment of shame and shaming. Um, and I don't think that it's, uh, male or female conversation, as you were pointing out, men go through body shaming just as much as women do. And the direction it's coming from isn't always necessarily the opposite sex. It, you know, it comes down from parents, it comes from the media. Um, You mentioned policies earlier, and I actually wanted to ask about like discrimination and corporate discrimination, because I think that's a really good place to look at the fact that this isn't just a one-on-one context yeah i mean there are so many things i could say about um policies again i i i'm going to keep it into my expertise of nutrition policies Mm -hmm. like nutrition policies um let's talk about the school lunch program right like um and again i know this isn't quite but it is in this in a way because again so for a long time the schools could say that they gave French fries and ketchup and that was counting as two vegetables. Um, and again, um, so the policies were driving, um, a lot of the overweight and obesity. And again, we knew, we know that obesity, um, starts young. Um, and it, again, a lot of times, um, the schools that are offering the food, um, you know, again, if your uh, population has over, uh, I think they're still fighting this one. Um, this policy is being updated, but um, but for the, for the moment, I, it's if, if the school has over sixty um, percent of their students that are um, low income, like the whole school gets the food for free, and. Um, but again, like, are we offering quality food? Mm-hmm. Are we providing fresh fruits and vegetables? Um, are we taking care of our community? Are we like really, you know, again, mm-hmm. um, so, th- so that's, I think one thing about policy that I see, or like a lot of times I see people wanting to donate, but like what they're donating is cupcakes and, um, and, and, you know, pasta and, and like carbs. And again, and like, carbs. Yeah. And then we see that impacting, um, you know, again, like if, if you're homeless and you're being offered a meal, like, is it okay that we're also giving you diabetes because we're offering you all these super high carbs. Right. Um, so again, that's another whole conversation that, um, 
we can talk about. It's just like, not in the, <laughs> but I, I think that the whole conversation of food, again, these are my passions. This is why I do what I do. Um, you know, I'm a bit, a big advocate of policies and like really making sure we have sound nutrition policies mm-hmm. so that we can combat obesity. Um, not like from a place of, um, like shaming people, but like, like offering great food, offering nutritious food that tastes good. You know, who wouldn't want to eat like fresh strawberries that are cut up with, um, like, um, blueberries. But again, like if we're offering (laughs) French fries and ketchup as a, as a vegetable or, you know, as our two vegetables that are required, well, you know, is that really, um, you know, cause again, like if you, if you're in Beverly Hills, everyone's eating a salad, mm-hmm. right. But are mm-hmm. we offering that to everyone else? Can everyone else get afford and have, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like saying salad is a thing, but you know, again, just being, being able to have fresh produce yeah, that are difference, a huge difference. I, um, I love that you brought up the, the, lunch in schools program I grew up on free lunch and it was a whole conversation of like you know carbs cheese tomato sauce and like these really like baseline things and I'm like tomatoes aren't even a vegetable for ketchup to count as a vegetable like (laughs) and all the sugar and everything that they put into it um it perpetuates the health things that you see like the was it high sodium high cholesterol Mm -hmm like you said, diabetes. Uh, Yeah. Like pizza is a favorite meal. Um, and I'm not, again, I I mean, I love pizza and there's nothing wrong with pizza. Again, one thing that I really practice is all foods are, are good. Like I don't have, there are no bad foods. Right. But it's like, how often am I eating this? And, um, and am I making sure I'm getting my vitamins and minerals? Am I getting, my protein from like real foods, um, not something that comes in a box that you can keep indefinitely. It doesn't even have an expiration date. Right. Um, and, um, and then again, enjoying the, um, the food and again, like this whole perpetual cycle, like, um, so again, I kind of want to go back to the, the body shaming, but again, it's all interconnected right? Because it's like you are in this vicious cycle of um, there's that obesity um, stigma and then there's stress, right? Then you are increased um, cortisol and then you're eating more. And then what are you eating, right? Because what do you have access to? A hamburger is a dollar, a salad is seven, right? Um, So that whole conversation and then weight gain and then weight gain causes the obesity and weight stigma. And we continue in this cycle and it's like work, how we can break this cycle is by really um, bringing mindful eating, being mindful of what we're having. Like, how can I combat the stress by eating? You know, how can I, you know, again, going for a walk, um, you know, just taking more steps, um, creating more activities outside, um, yeah. I mean, again, yeah, having your own dancing, um, whatever works again, instead of like trying to say, have someone else tell us, right. Like we yeah. get to say, it's a, it's a balance. It's a balance. And, you know, like having the fitness and having the health does not equate being thin. So I'm really hearing you say like, yes, do the things and do them for stress management, not for weight loss or weight reduction, but like do them with, with intention. Um, one of the things that you pointed out before, and I don't know if we've really talked about it that much, but food shaming, um, I really wanted to get into that a little bit. Cause like one of the things I experienced and, and I still kind of deal with this is like eating in public was always a problem for me, especially being overweight. It's like, you know, like eating in public is not a big thing, but as someone who's large, it was like, I couldn't eat in public without being criticized or like, you know, something to that effect. Didn't matter what I was eating. Um, And so I think that's something that, like, I don't even know if that's looked at in the realm Mm -hmm. of even being close to talked about. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's being looked at. And 
Um, it's a huge, to me, it's one of the more, even more important conversations about, again, this whole categorization of good food versus bad food, right? Like, or the word healthy, right? Which does not, what, what does healthy mean? What does that mean? Um, right. We just know like kale is healthy, right? If you eat kale, you're good, right? Everything else pretty much, you know, is, um, not so good. And then it's like, people start telling you, I mean, gosh, I'm a dietitian. How many times I've been told, Oh, you just have to eat this and this, and you'll be just fine. Um, you know, or, um, but again, it's some, it's a real thing about, um, you know, like one thing I, what really triggered me one time, I, it was right in the beginning of the pandemic and, um, and like all the stores were closed and I went to Seven Eleven to get milk and like bananas. Um, like I was going for a run in the morning and then one of, um, like I was on a zoom and one of our friends was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're a dietitian when you go to Seven Eleven. And I thought, Oh my God. Um, I mean, it really was like one of those moments for me that really, um, yeah. you know, I, I really made me think about, Oh my God, like how must it be like for everybody for other, like, how can this be like? So thank you for sharing about your personal experience. And this is very consistent with what we read, what we see. Um, again, if someone feels overweight, um, they don't feel comfortable eating, um, you know, in, in public. Um, again, a lot. That's why um, one of the big reasons why we see um, drive-throughs be so popular is because people can eat in isolation. And we see that when you're doing that, you're not as, um, as present, um, when you're eating and you're not really paying attention. So again, um, bringing mindful eating to when you are eating is another critical, um, way to combat, um, both food shaming and, and, um, and body shaming. Cause again, if you're present and eating, then you actually can experience when you're full and you can stop as opposed to like, I always eat two of these or, um, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. And then you're not really being with the experience. You're not even enjoying the food mm. essentially. Um, and again, as we eat more um, and make it okay, right? Again, someone's going to McDonald's <laughs> they're the number one food company in the world right right like so but how is it that everyone talks so bad about mcdonald's right mm -hmm. it's like and is it really mcdonald's right because again I, I i feel like they've done a lot of great work and again i also get criticized for this um but i don't care like i'm gonna speak the truth like to me they offer a salad they offer fresh apples. They offer, you know, um, like different options for different people. They offer a veggie burger. They offer like, you know, like they have, a, they have everything that any other place would have. So, and I'm not a, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> so again, and I'm not, again, I just, I am against, it's like, if you're not going to shame, you're not going to shame. It's not like, well, this place is. McDonald's is okay to shame because they're really bad. The and the people team. who go to McDonald's. Yeah. Right. So it's like, but you can be one of those people that are going like, cause you don't want anybody to know. Right. I've been to McDonald's and I have no problem saying that. Right. Um, and it's just, I think that's the, that's what, you know, and it's like, who knows? Everyone's going to be like, Oh, Mandy goes to McDonald's, <laughs> right? Like, but that's like a real thing, right? Um, but yeah. those are the kind of things that we, I think, can stop this. Like, or, oh, I go to the 99 cent store too. Mm. Um, and I actually work and help a lot of our, um, a lot of our patients and our clients, like the, the hospitals that I cover were safety net hospitals. So yeah, I'm not going to tell my patient, mm go to whole foods. Cause that's not, you know, and again, I don't, 
that's fine. It's a great place if you want to go and you can go. But again, to me, a fruit is a fruit. Is it better to buy organic? Sure, it's better to buy organic. But if you're stuck between buying organic apples or apples versus a bag of chips, um, then, mm. you know, eat an eat a freaking apple. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, again, I've had in my classes, in my nutrition classes that I teach, I've had students tell me, I'd rather eat a bag of chips than buy bananas from 7-Eleven. Like, I've, like, literally, this is a real conversation. And I love that we can have these conversations. And these are the kind of conversations I have. It's like, I'd rather eat Spam than eat, you know, spinach if it's not organic. Right. Cause those are the kind of, I think sometimes like the, the miseducation that comes, it's like, really, you rather eat spam than, than, than non-organic um, spinach. Right. Because like, oh, it's been sprayed with a bunch of pesticides. Um, it's that's real. It's like vegetables or no vegetables is the option for a lot of people. It's like, whether it's organic or not and nutrition is important. It's important. Um, yeah, and a lot of, again, marketing, a lot of, um, again, I don't want to like go into that whole route of, you know, again, the, the food companies, like food is a huge commodity, right? We literally have a pizza mafia. Like, again, I don't want to, <laughs> no, good, we're good. You know, like, um, <laughs> I swear, I'm, I, these are real things, right? Wow. It's a huge business. It's a huge, right? Um, so um, again, my commitment is people eating real foods and people eating foods that taste good, that nourishes them and that they can um, really have access to it. Um, and I see here question about yes. um, class has so much impact. Um, you know, again, I think it does in so many levels and, and it doesn't have to, we can really bring more awareness. Again, one of the things that is really important to me is to bring that level of awareness because it makes it really hard. I mean, again, I, I think about like, if I go to some of the, um, like health food stores, the prices are so expensive and can we really expect everyone to buy that? Um, and again, I, I don't see how we can, and it doesn't mean that again, like, like I said, we, I've, I mean, again, I've gone and do go to the 99 cent store and they have fresh vegetables. They do have that there. And I, a lot of times I see the exact same thing as I would see in, um, you know, again, even Sprouts or um, Ralph's. And then there's places like Trader Joe's that I feel like um, do a really good job of offering their products at a lower price. Um, but again, not everybody knows and not everybody, you know, um, wants to go. But again, I think some of that whole conversation comes to inside us this whole cycle of access. And then, um, and then again, the pressures and even like if you start to want to like be more health conscious and start to exercise and bring um, that again, a lot of times my students um, come and say like, well, my family's really pushing back, right? Like they don't like it. They, they tell me like, I, I don't look good anymore. I lost too much weight. Um, and it's like, oh, let's like, how do we bring aware, like bring about that awareness so that it's not like a threatening thing for, um, right. I don't know if it's making sense what I'm saying, but, um, you know, just having that fam, like families not feel threatened by, you know, if their daughter comes and says, Hey, let's eat more fruits or vegetables, um, because it's outside of the norm, the, like norm or yeah. like what, you know, um, yeah. so that's another whole, um, like real conversation about it. It's like, how can you support and empower your family without making them wrong? Cause a lot of times what happens is what they're experiencing is, is you're coming saying I'm better, right? Like, right. 
listen to me. Like, look at me, like I'm better now. And there's stigma. It's like now you're stigmatizing, you know, the family versus, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's kind of, um, I don't know um, if that, yeah, that. yeah, it totally lands. I'm not going to lie. I did that. <laughs> I was like, you can't use margarine anymore. And it was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, just like, like acknowledging it. How do I speak to my family in a way that they feel like, oh, we're on the same team. Like, right. like she's not talking down to me or like we're creating a partnership together. Like you know, and, and again, I'm not, I don't, um, these are big, big, um, items that again, as we're moving through, we can kind of really, um, work on as a society. Um, but again, shifting some of those conversations, shifting those norms, um, bringing acceptance, but it starts with people talking about it. Yeah. Um, again, our health professionals talking about it, Again, because all we see is the perfect skinny person on Instagram, you know, getting even more Botox or, um, right. Um, and not like, again, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, there's nothing wrong with that either. I'm just saying that that's what's being seen. So like, if we're not seeing the normal person, um, who looks like me and the girl next door, um, then how can we shift the conversation? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, before we wrap up, are there any other resources that you want to share? Yeah, I have a ton of, um, again, the, there's, um, articles kind of based on like, I can definitely send, um, some to you, Nika, some different, um, webinars, um, again, again, about weight stigma and, um, how it's actually driving the obesity epidemic and then the intuitive eating conversation. Like I would love to get into that a little bit more, like really talking about the 10 principles. If anyone hasn't read those, um, books again, I, I, um, you know, I started just following and that's kind of, um, I really believe in the work um, that's being done in that area and arena. So again, there, there are books you can borrow for free from the library, um, but it really shifts your mindset from a dieting perspective. Perfect. So um, awesome. We are going to, when you send those, we're going, we're going, we will get those posted along sure. with the information. Um, yes. And, and thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. It was so great to be with you and thank you for having me. I'm grateful for your commitment to, um, to people and to having everyone fully self-expressed and just, um, having that love be present for all. Thank you. Yes. Um, so thank you everyone for joining us today. This is the ITCAST, our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Uh, through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Please check out our Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit this October 23rd and 24th. You can find our tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, also visit our Patreon and support the ITCAST and you can learn more about this work at theitcast.com. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel and share this work with your community. Thank you so much and we will see you here next week. <laughs>